exciting. We have a sing along, a, a singing with Bonnie's care home this afternoon. We have potluck on Thursday evening, prayer and potluck at 6.30, and it is always a wonderful blessing. And we have, as our visiting pastor today, Wayne Waldron, whom we've had before, and we love having him. Okay, well, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, gather here in this place today, seriously, not on our own volition, but by your mighty hand and your mercy. We stand here, we come, and we gather as your body that we might glorify you and that you may sustain us in this time. Father, that you may direct us, that you would, as we studied in uh, Sunday school this morning, put a flashlight before us that we can see the path that you have established, both for our church and for us individually. We praise and thank you that Andrew is back and that he's... Uh, physically sound and uh, has made it without any problems. We ask you to bless him and to bring him back here. And then, Lord, we thank you for this time and this service, and we ask your presence to be amidst us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody. Um, I had a happy hour this week with my people that I play water volleyball with. And one of the gals was sharing with a heavy heart to the four of us that were at one table that her sister was diagnosed with cancer and she just said her sister is sick. And the guy sitting next to me, <laughs> she got COVID. And the, the girl said, no, she's sick. Comforting others comfort each other, and edify one another. It is an undeniable fact that usually those who have suffered the most are best able to comfort others who are passing through suffering. They know what it is to suffer, and they understand more than others what suffering person is experiencing, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. They are able to emphasize as well as sympathize with the afflictions of others because of what they have experienced in their own lives. Our sufferings may be rough and hard to bear, but they teach us lessons that in turn equip and enable us to help others. Our attitude towards suffering should not be Grit your teeth and bear it, hoping it'll pass quickly. But rather, our goal should be to learn all we can from what we are called upon to endure so that we, in turn, can comfort each other and edify one another. Hope for today. As bad as our suffering may seem, it would be far worse for it to be in vain. Ask God to reveal ways your trials can serve to comfort others, and to glorify him. May that be your challenge today when someone shares with you some sad news. Amen. Comfort one another.
the best time of year. I'm going to read from Psalm 94, 17 to 23, and Psalm 19, verse 14. Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul would soon have settled in silence. If I say my foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. Shall the throne of iniquity, which devises evil by law, have fellowship with you? They gather together against the life of the righteous and condemn innocent blood, but the Lord has been my defense and my God the rock of my refuge. He has brought on them their own iniquity and shall cut them off in their own wickedness. The Lord our God shall cut them off. 
Let the words of my mouth and the mediation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And now, if you please stand, if you wish, uh, we'll recite the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Testament reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind the locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive so anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound on his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand in the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told them, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. So the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs to the one, in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. You now join us in a responsive reading. Mighty God, in whom we know the power of redemption, you stand among us in the shadows of our time. As we move through every sorrow and trial of this life, uphold us with knowledge of the final morning when in the glorious presence of your risen son, we will share in his resurrection, redeemed and restored to the fullest of life and forever freed to be your people. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are the creator of the universe. You're the creator of all. Some things we understand, most we probably don't. 
but it is all within your realm, Lord, and it is all within your power. And you have entrusted each one of us with different, different things, different gifts. But you also call on us to share those gifts back, to share with others so that those who do not know you can come to know you. So, Lord, we ask this as we have our uh, collection this week that the gifts that are given are given with an open heart and are you are wisely used to further your kingdom. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. is everyone this morning? Blessed and highly favored? Yes, amen. The title of my sermon this morning is 40 Days. Max Lucado in uh, his marvelous book, No Wonder They Call Him the Savior, talks about an encounter that he had with a young man at a Canadian university. He had been invited there to speak. And after speaking, a young man came up to him and said, can you tell me what really matters? He said, uh, I don't want to hear about religion. I don't want to hear about theology. I have a degree in theology. I know the original languages. I know Hebrew and Greek. I know exegesis, but nothing has clicked for me. And Max said, a hundred scriptures ran through my mind. I wanted to give him John 3, 16, 23, Ephesians 2, Romans 8. I was trying to think of an appropriate narrative, but I was stumped. He said, many years later, I finally figured out the crystalline answer to that question. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 8. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. And last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I, Paul, also saw him. That's you and me. We were born at the wrong time. We did not get to witness Jesus in the flesh. But we see him through eyes of faith, feel him through fingers of faith. Let me pray and join me if you will. Heavenly Father, we ask this morning that you would rest your Holy Spirit on each and every soul here. And we pray that every word that is spoken, that you will anoint, that you will build us up, encourage us, and give us peace through your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
We're going to spend a little time in the Gospel of Luke. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 24, chapter 24, and we'll start verse 1. And I will give you uh, kind of the cliff note version of that verse. It's Resurrection Sunday. And early in the morning, Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. And he's going to be busy. He's going to be busy all day. Resurrection Sunday is a busy day for the Lord Jesus. He appears first to Mary, then to Peter, then to the twelve, minus Thomas. And lest we forget, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Well, let me back up a minute. He appears first to Mary. Why do the radical feminists say Jesus was a misogynist? Or he was a chauvinist? Where does that come from? If women were never a priority to Jesus, why does he appear to Mary first? In my book, she was the first apostle. What's the definition of an apostle? One who is sent. Where was she sent? To get the disciples. In my book, she is... Um, I, I, I don't... Otherwise, say it. She's the first disciple, as far as I'm concerned. Certainly the first apostle. And later, Jesus rebukes the disciples for not believing her report. We'll read that scripture in a moment. And I believe what he was saying between the lines is, fellow, she's your equal. She's been with me from the start. She is a disciple. In virtually all of Jesus' ministry, he was accompanied by women. Very taboo in Jesus' day. A single preacher with a, uh, how shall we say, cohorts that were female. That's today. A single pastor touring with women. I mean, this looked down on today. No one in Scripture is a greater champion of women than Jesus Christ. Witness the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Have you thought that this is apostle number two? Female apostle number two, where she's sent to the Samaritans. But back to Jesus' busy Sunday. We have two distraught disciples walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And Jesus joins and he asks them, what are you discussing so intently? And Cleopas answers. We know who Cleopas is. According to church tradition, he is Jesus' uncle. He was Joseph's brother. So his earthly uncle. Cleopas answers, Are you the only man in all Jerusalem who has not heard all the things that have happened there in the past? And Jesus asked, What things? Read with me starting in verse 19. The things that happened to Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priest and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. But some of our women from our group of his followers were at the tomb early this morning and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see and sure enough, his body was gone just as the women had said. Verse 25, then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, 
Why do you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures? Wasn't it clearly predicted that Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses, all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, mind you, the, the Jews called that the knock. The books of Moses, the books of the law, prophets, and the Psalms. That was the complete Bible in Jesus' day. 300 prophecies concerning Messiah. He took them through all the scriptures concerning himself. Seven miles? I, I don't think that was long enough. 300 scriptures. With the uh, DDD, 3D, Divine Data Dump. I think it was supernatural. 300 prophecies explained. I think it was supernatural. Verse 28. By this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. And Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us. So he went home with them. Verse 30. And as they sat down to eat, Jesus took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them and suddenly, their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? You bet your sweet Sunday there, their hearts burned. They were being taught the word by the word. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. They were being taught the Word by the Word. Within the hour, Cleopas and friend packed their bags and headed for Jerusalem. And no sooner had they knocked on the door and what are they greeted with? Fellows, you won't believe it. The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Notice they're not saying he appeared to Mary. He appeared to Peter. And as they were telling their story, Jesus appears. And Jesus says to them, Peace be with you. Why are you frightened? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. Ghosts don't have bodies. By the way, indeed. Verse 44. And then he said, When I was with you before, I told you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Do you see what Jesus is doing here? The Holy Spirit has not come yet. He is ministering as the Holy Spirit. He's doing the work of the Holy Spirit. But he can't cover the whole earth doing this. It's tough enough to reach out to 500 at a time. Note. Jesus' encounter here with the disciples is the essence of his 40-day mission prior to his ascension. You ask, what mission? Teaching the scriptures and thereby removing all doubt. Acts 1, verse 3. Forty days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Why? Because they're still in disbelief. That's basically what this 40 days is all about. Is helping the disciples understand what they say they believe.
there's no room for disbelief in the life of faith. And I want you to note something. Forty days later at the ascension, the twelve still don't get it. Jesus, the spaceship, is, is the rocket boosters are lit. He's about to take off en route to heaven. And what do they ask? Lord, has the time come? Now? Now? Are, are you going to deliver us from the Romans? Are you going to free Israel and restore our kingdom? They still don't get it. And as Jesus ascends into heaven, they're standing there slack-jawed. What's going on? And the angels, boys, he is coming back just the way he left. He will return in exactly the same way he left. They still don't get it. Again, and would we have gotten it? I doubt it seriously. Again, what is Jesus' mission during the 40 days between his resurrection and ascension? opening the minds of his believers to the truth and power of Scripture. The Word is teaching the Word. What do 40 days represent in Scripture? Anybody? Preparation. It is always a time of preparation. 40 days, the phrase, appears in Scripture 146 times. I won't give you 146. Jesus is tempted 40 days in the wilderness before he began his ministry. Noah, 40 days was preparation for God's reset of the human race. Moses, 40 days on Mount Sinai. Preparation for the delivery of the Ten Commandments. Elijah, a 40-day journey to Mount Sinai when he's fleeing from Jezebel. 40-day journey to Mount Sinai. Preparation for Epiphany. And the 40 days between Jesus' resurrection and ascension, Jesus is preparing his followers for the advent of the Holy Spirit. Preparing them to continue his ministry on this earth. Verse 46, And Jesus said, Yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die, and rise from the dead on the third day. Where does it say that? Hosea, chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. This is a beautiful passage of Scripture. If you don't get anything else today, focus on this. And I'm reading it from the Amplified Bible. Come, let us return in repentance to the Lord. For he has torn us, but he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bandage us. And after two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live before him. Do you get it? It's uh, the 40 days of Lent. We mourn the sacrifice of Christ. But on Resurrection Sunday, do we empathize? It's, vicarious is not a good enough word. Do we empathize with Christ's suffering? Hosea is getting ahead here. He wounded, you're studying Psalm 22, correct? Does this sound familiar? He wounded us. Put yourself there at Pilate's whipping post. He wounded us. We were there because Christ was bearing our sins.
after two days, he will revive us, and on the third day, raise us up. Not Messiah, us. Us with Messiah. So let us know him and become personally acquainted with him. Let us press on to know and understand fully the greatness of the Lord and thereby to honor, heed, and deeply cherish him. If we don't share in Jesus' suffering, we won't share in his resurrection. St. Paul has, um, he takes us to school on that subject. Philippians 3, verse 10. He calls it the fellowship of Christ's suffering. Philippians 3, 10. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him in his death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. We share in his sufferings or we do not share his resurrection. In summary, what's most important? What's most important is that Jesus died for our sins. But till we get that truth out of our heads and deep into our hearts, we will have no passion. No passion for the lost. No passion for the Great Commission. When we learn how to see Jesus, that passion is automatic. Max Licato has said this. Listen closely. He, uh, this is profound. Christianity in its purest form is nothing more than seeing Jesus. Christian service in its purest form is nothing more than imitating he who we see. See his majesty and imitate the sum of Christianity. We've had 40 days prior to Easter mourn the sacrifice of our Savior, but the time of mourning is over. And we still have a job to do. We must tell everyone we meet about Jesus. In addiction this morning, pray this with me. Lord, bless us this morning with your Holy Spirit power and passion to fulfill these, your words. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Make it so, Father God. Make it so. In Jesus' name, amen.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, let us take the message today that we have heard. The talks, there, there was a lot going on. And not everyone believed. They didn't believe all the things that had been told to them beforehand. And Jesus had to come back to show them that the prophets were right, that he was, in fact, the risen Savior. So, Lord, and then he had to teach again for another 40 days. We are a stubborn bunch. And uh, it takes us different size hammers to get, to get through to most many of us. But we may, may we all remember that you are the Christ, the Messiah, and our Savior. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.